We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. My name is Andrew Mertig, and you can find me on Twitter at Andrew Mertig. I am filling in today on a Sunday. Usually you'd be hearing my voice on Friday. Um, and not only am I subbing, but I'm also flying solo. Um, and so if you listen on Friday, I was joined by Andy Herman to break down the game against the Ravens. So now we're to a point where we've seen all of the reports out of training camp. We have half the preseason to formulate an idea of where the roster sits today. So if you go back to last Monday's show, Andy uh, talked about the 37 players he felt were roster locks. And then yesterday, Tyler and Mike broke down who they thought would make the 53-man roster position by position. So I wanted to take a look at how the number of players kept at some of the positions are going to affect others. So we're not going to be duplicating any any of the roster locks or the position breakdowns, um, but instead I am going to start by giving sort of a sample roster. And the point of this is not to mean that the players I'm talking about are locks on the roster. 
there's almost always two to three roster decisions that I totally whiff on each season, and I think a lot of people are surprised by some of the moves. And the point of this isn't to talk about who makes the roster, but what position groups have some certainty, which ones don't, and see how keeping an extra player at one position really affects the other player uh, position decisions. So first I wanted to lay out a potential roster that demonstrates how that position group may be formulated. So you've heard all of the talk at quarterback. Um, so potentially, let's say the Packers keep two quarterbacks. Obviously Aaron Rodgers is going to make the roster, but then let's say Deshaun Kaiser. And then if you go to the running back position, you know Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, uh, probably Dexter Williams and Danny Vitale are going to make the roster. So we have four running backs um, at receiver. Let's say there's six. You know, Devontae, MVS, Jake Kumaro, um, probably Geronimo Allison, Trevor Davis, and Equinemius St. Brown. And you could say, um, and you, we, we have the argument all the time, is Geronimo going to make the roster? Um, is ESB certain or not? Uh, does Trevor Davis able to overcome some of the health issues and make the roster? And you could sub those players out with an Alan Lazard or Darius Shepard um, or a Jamon Moore, and it doesn't change you know, that sixth receiver mindset. And we'll, we'll, we'll go very in-depth on wide receiver in a little bit. At tight end, um, you're thinking Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tanya, Jay Sternberger. Maybe they keep those four. Maybe they scale it down to three, and, and we'll talk about how that has an impact on the rest of the roster as well. Um, on the, across the offensive line, I'm saying four tackles just because it's so important and because, you know, Brian Balaga, he's been more available than the perception is, but still, you know, there's some injury history there. So you, of course, have David Bakhtiari, Brian Balaga. Alex Light looks more and more certain to make this roster. And then I'm going to say Yash Nijman, just because of the skill set he has. I could really see him sticking on the 53. Probably not being active a lot throughout the season, but man, that guy has the potential to be something special down the line. Um, at guard, you know, Billy Turner and Elton Jenkins are, are making this team for sure, whether or not both of those are starters. We will find out. Uh, Lane Taylor, to me, has to be there. And then, you know, if you look at the the other, uh, of course, Corey Lindsley is going to be starting at center. And then Justin McCray kind of fits into that guard center role, um, as does Elton Jenkins to a point. So right there, that was uh, nine offensive linemen. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how some of those numbers may have an impact. Across the defense line, you know Kenny Clark, Montrevious Adams, Dean Lowry, Kingsley, Kiki, all look certain to make the roster. I threw James Looney in as a fifth, and we'll talk about the specifics of, of that and what, what kind of impact that has on the rest of the defense. At edge, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary. Um, I'm going to keep Kyler Fackrell in there, even though you know not the biggest Kyler Fackrell fan in the world, but... He has such special teams ability, and I think coming off of that season where, while the numbers are certainly inflated, having 10 sacks, making an impact on the defensive side of the ball, that is a big deal. And so we're going to go with the four edge rushers there. At off-ball linebacker, Blake Martinez, Ty Summers, Curtis Bolton. I think all three of those are pretty safe. Curtis Bolton and Blake Martinez, of course, you know, it certainly seemed to be the starters at this point. I'm going to throw Oren Burks in there as a fourth. We don't know what his availability will be at the beginning of the season, but for the sake of this activity, I think it's really important to have the four there. At cornerback, Jair Alexander, Kevin King, Tremont Williams, Tony Brown, Josh Jackson. Um, and I'm going to throw Kadar Holman in there as a sixth. At safety, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, Josh Jones, Raven Green. There's your four safeties. Kicker, Mason Crosby, more than likely. 
punter J.K. Scott, long snapper Hunter Bradley. And again, this is not to go through and, and you know critique exactly which players are going to make it, but to look at the position groupings. And so those were 51 players that I just rattled off. And that leaves two spots to go on the 53-man, and then, of course, you have the 10 on the practice squad. But that leaves a lot of talented players on the outside. And this is where I think the decisions become really interesting. So you can say, um, you know, whether you agree with me or not on the specific players, how those position groupings are formulated causes some issues as the season goes on. As you deal with injuries, as you deal with players that are ineffective, you want to make sure that you have the appropriate depth where you're going to need it. And so one of the talented players I left off, quarterback Tim Boyle. So whether this, the the person who makes the roster, if there's only two quarterbacks, is Kaiser or Boyle, do the Packers really want to keep three quarterbacks? And I have a feeling they could probably sneak Tim Boyle onto the practice squad. However, do the Packers want to risk losing him and then have no experience behind Deshaun Kaiser? So if something were to happen to Aaron Rodgers or something were to happen to Kaiser or, heaven forbid, both, where do you go? Because if you lose Tim Boyle, certainly Manning Wilkins is going to be your guy on the practice squad. But then what do you do? You, you almost can't play him. So that becomes a concern. That's why the Packers have actually kept three quarterbacks on the roster for a few seasons in a row. Because having that security blanket is a really, really big deal. And having somebody that's familiar with your system um, can be a big deal if you're only talking about filling in for one or two two games. If both Rodgers and Kaiser are out for any significant amount of time, forget about it. You're not making playoffs anyways. Um, then, you know, at running back, uh, you talk about some guys, Trey Carson, Darren Hall, uh, both, you know, have struggled a little bit in the preseason, but some of that is, is the blocking in front of them. And I said there is a real chance Green Bay could keep five running backs. In Matt LaFleur's scheme, keeping running backs fresh is really, really important. And certainly Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams have not been available throughout the, the offseason. So keeping an extra running back will cut into your ability to keep an extra wide receiver or offensive lineman, but that might be really important based on, on what they're looking at. You know, do you, you're, you're going to have to spell Dexter Williams if Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams aren't available going forward. So keeping, keeping all those guys healthy is really important, and then potentially even having a backup plan in place. We talked about wide receiver already, but Guys like Alan Lazard and Jamon Moore and Darius Shepard, and that's not even diving into some of the players that have flashed a little bit in camp, like Tao Redding. Um, I really like all three of those guys, Shepard, Lazard, Jamon Moore. Obviously, someone isn't making the roster, and on previous episodes, Kyle broke down that in a Matt LaFleur offense, they've never had more than six active wide receivers. And I know he's not directly making those decisions when he's an offensive coordinator in the past, but... Man, that that's that's sort of a historical precedent to keep an eye out. So even if you want to sub in Shepard for Equinemia St. Brown, let's say, it's still cutting a ton of depth. And there might be some trade partners out there, um, but you're not going to get anything more than a late-round pick. And the Packers have to get these decisions right and juggle if, if they're going to trust Trevor Davis to stay healthy enough not to carry another returner, or if they're super confident uh, in Davis's ability to be the guy back there, um, and they want to just keep the five best route runners, for instance. Um, but then, you know, across the offensive line, this scenario didn't include uh, Cole Madison or Lucas Patrick, and 
you know, that's already keeping high in offensive alignment. I, I think you can rotate out Madison and Patrick with Justin McCray, or possibly even cutting Yash Nijman and then hoping that he makes it to the practice squad. But keeping an extra offensive alignment means less room for another wide receiver or running back. So if you're going to bump that up and you're going to keep Cole Madison, then you're not going to have room to keep that seventh wide receiver. Um, on defense, flipping sides, if you go across the line, you have defense lineman Fidel Brown and Tyler Lancaster that I did not include in this scenario. And I only had Gutekunst keeping five true defensive linemen in this scenario. And that'll, that has a lot to do with the versatility of both Smiths and Rashawn Gary, who can bump inside um, and, and rush from the interior a little bit. But this is going to be really thin for run stuffers. Having Kingsley Kiki and James Looney, um, you know, while they have both outplayed Lancaster and really Fiddle Brown just hasn't been available um, after a pretty strong offseason, if Patton wants to give his defense some more stout run stuffers, you start to cut into your depth at other positions. So um, important decisions to be made there. At edge, I didn't have Reggie Gilbert making it. And if the Packers want to keep five edge rushers, Gilbert certainly has the inside track on that. But Based on what I've seen from the rest of the depth they need, I don't see how they can justify keeping five because you have to feed some of those other positions. And then if you end up losing Reggie Gilbert, you may end up getting Randy Ramsey to the practice squad. But if there's an injury during the season, you're calling Randy Ramsey up as an undrafted free agent and hoping that he can help out in some of those scenarios. So again, you know that's where some of these concerns pop up. At off-ball linebacker, I didn't have James Crawford in there. And he definitely could be that 52nd or 53rd player. He's an excellent special teamer. But with the jump from Bolton and Summers, he may not have a position. And and if you're going to keep Curtis Bolton and you're going to keep Ty Summers, you're probably relying on them to be core special teamers. So does James Crawford have a place there? Um, and then, you know, defensive back, I could name a bunch of people, but specifically Shannon Sullivan, Will Redmond, they have stuck out. Uh, Sullivan has had a pretty solid preseason on defense, but he's been really super versatile on special teams. Redmond, also a versatile player, um, but in a different way. He can play both safety and cornerback. Um, a former high draft pick who's had injury concerns during his, his career, um, but also certainly would have special teams value, as you'd expect from any defensive back. Um, and I have six cornerbacks making the roster and 10 defensive backs total. So do you want to use one of those last two spots, that 52nd or 53rd player, on an 11th defensive back? Like, yeah, defensive back is really important in the modern NFL, but that's a lot of investment into one position group that you then can't use on that fifth edge rusher or that uh, sixth defensive lineman or an extra offensive lineman. So you can start to see um, how some of these things formulate. And and you might be listening to my roster rambling and say, well, so what? It uh, To me, this shows how difficult it is to keep in mind depth at all positions. I love what Darius Shepard has done. Like, I, I'm a huge Darius Shepard fan. But do you want to lose Cole Madison to keep Shepard if Darius may not even see the field? Do you want to keep him over Shannon Sullivan or Reggie Gilbert and, you know, potentially not have that depth, that edge that you need? So it, it's always been fascinating to me how a roster is built and how this is orchestrated in this instance. I think the Packers, uh, for you know, magic number for a running back, wide receiver, and tight end group is 14. So normally we would say... What four running backs are they going to keep? What six or seven wide receivers? But I want to look at this as a big glut of, of a group. 
So do they keep four running backs and then six wide receivers and four tight ends? And that's really what I had laid out in that scenario. Or maybe they keep four running backs and seven wide receivers and three tight ends. So if if that's the case, are you okay keeping a guy like Alan Lazard or maybe Jamon Moore or Darius Shepard, doesn't matter which one, if it means that Robert Tanyan or Mercedes Lewis gets cut? And on defense, keeping a ton of defensive backs means the line and edge positions are going to be light. So if there's a rash of injuries on the defensive line, that can mean a major struggle stopping the run. And the Packers play some of the best offensive lines and running backs in the league this season. So while going position by position is certainly valuable, um, and the guys yesterday did a fantastic job of that, I, I think you know that does a good job of comparing player to player. But I think the overall roster makeup is actually a little bit more important in this in this case. And so that's how I see the roster being built. And it's not necessarily that, you know, Alan Lazard and Aquinemia St. Brown and Darius Shepard are competing over one spot. But maybe two of those guys can make the roster if they decide to keep only four off-ball linebackers. And so I think keeping more of a holistic approach as the roster starts to be built helps to prevent the big surprises from coming um, when when the roster dives from 90 to 53. But I wanted to finish out this show by talking about some transaction possibilities. And this is sort of that last part of the roster building. We've seen Goot show an aggressiveness that Packers Nation has been craving for basically during the entire Ted Thompson era. And while it's highly unlikely he would make a major move at this point, I think there are some really interesting high-profile players that could become available. Um, and and Goot has been roster tinkering throughout the, the entire tenure um, that he's had as the general manager. And, you know, I, I think he shows a, a great ability to bring in players that have a chance to make an impact towards the bottom of the roster. But what could the potential moves be at the top of the roster that would really make a difference? So the first thing I wanted to do is just totally aim for the fences. And that's Edge Jadavion Clowney from the Texans, who reportedly has been available via trade. But but the first thing is, obviously, you know, this isn't going to happen. This is a pipe dream. Um, But then again, we said that about Khalil Mack last year. And then we find out that, you know, it could have been a possibility had the Raiders valued the Packers pick. Um, But Clowney hasn't signed his tender. tender, Starting to lose my ability to speak here. Um, But that means he has a sort of default no-trade clause because if he doesn't want to go someplace particular, he just won't sign the tender, and therefore the Texans won't be able to trade him anyways. So he's always seemed reluctant to go somewhere that they run a 3-4, which you know he's played in in Houston, but he really wants to play a 4-3 defensive end. I think he wants to have his hand in the ground more often. But maybe Mike Patton could talk him into it. His scheme is versatile enough that they could move Clowney around and and really play him where he wanted to and where he is most effective. So what would it actually take, in theory, if this could happen? And I think that the Packers could get him for something like Lane Taylor in a second round pick. You might be able to say Lane Taylor in a third, but let's be generous here. Say Lane Taylor in a second. And if you're giving that package up, you're probably getting a fifth round pick back. So Lane Taylor might be expendable. Um, I definitely do not see the Packers cutting him. But if there was a situation where they could improve another area of their roster, um, that depth might be intriguing. The Texans certainly need the offensive line help. 
And that seems like a pretty affordable uh, price for an elite pass rusher. But the Texans have absolutely no leverage in this situation because Clowney is just not going to play if um, they, they don't trade him. And that was approximately what the asking price was for D Ford. So I think that's pretty realistic. This is actually a little bit richer package than than what the Chiefs ended up getting in for D Ford. So if you're a Packers, uh, or if you're the Packers, you you get a chance to make an improving defense into what should be a great one with all of the different pass rushing options they would have. And even if Clowney walked at the end of the year, you should get a third-round comp pick in 2021. So really, you're not giving up too much. Um, But from a financial standpoint, certainly you're going to take a hit with Clowney um, playing on that franchise tender. If the Packers decide they want five edge rushers and they don't love Reggie Gilbert and they don't want to trade for Jadamian Clowney, they could always choose a free agent option um, as opposed to you know making that deal and one name that's certainly going to stick out to Green Bay Packers fans is Edge Nick Perry Um, he is a familiar face of course because he's played his his entire career in Green Bay but he remains unsigned as a free agent and he could be a cheap veteran option to rotate through Mike Pettin's unit and I think that would really help with some of the health concerns and speaking of health concerns another veteran option that could be available is former Chiefs safety Eric Berry. He essentially hasn't been healthy for three seasons, so you would ask what's the attractiveness there. But when he was, he was one of the top three safeties in the league. And depending on how the Packers feel about Raven Green and Josh Jones as potential options at linebacker, they could be in the market for a veteran to hold down the back end. One way to keep Barry on the field is to only play him in the dime um, and you know hope that he can stay healthy that way by really limiting his snap count. And he might be at the point in his career where he'd take a cheap deal, um, first of all, just to get on the field, um, and second of all, to try to make a run at a championship. That said, I actually think this move is less likely than even the trade for Jadavion Clowney, just because I don't think the Packers want to take a huge chance on the the health of Eric Berry. I don't know that Eric Berry would want a rotational role at this point in his career, um, and and I you know just don't know that that that's the perfect fit. But man, it'd be fun to have that veteran back there to you know be another voice in the ear of Darnell Savage, um, and also provide just an absolutely unbelievable option to come in on, you know, third and long and, and cover those tight ends or running backs coming out of the backfield. And if the Packers are concerned about the recovery of Oren Burks, and they they don't want to have to have two undrafted rookies as their number two and number three linebackers. They could look at a player like Manti Teo. He's been a solid pro with the Chargers and Saints. Say what you want about the fake girlfriend, but um, he really has had a solid but not spectacular pro career. And a veteran presence would make me feel a lot better about the constant fear of Blake Martinez missing any time. And, you know, then there's always, when you talk about these conversations, the thought of a veteran quarterback. Uh, with Kaiser and Boyle struggling in preseason game two. And I know somebody like Mark Sanchez or Brock Osweiler does not sound appealing. And trust me, I don't feel like they're appealing options, but they may end up being better options than what they currently have. So if Green Bay was going to make a move for a veteran signal caller, they probably would have done it already. I don't think you can bring somebody in this late, um, you know, and have another Seneca Wallace situation. But I, I know people hate that, I think this, but 
I really do believe Deshaun Kaiser is going to do a good job as a backup quarterback in Titletown this season. And we can all agree that we hope to not see him or any other backup quarterback unless the Packers are already up significantly and number 12 is celebrating on the sidelines. So they're probably in trouble if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt anyways, but I think Deshaun Kaiser can be serviceable enough. And I think we've seen enough, even with him not truly running with the number ones all the time, um, that that I feel confident in, in what we have. Um, but that is all the time that, that I have for today. Uh, this has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Andy Herman. Meanwhile, I'll be back with Kyle this Friday and every Friday after that with a breakdown of the Packers' third preseason game against the Raiders. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember...
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.